Welcome to the Vice Casting Couch, Season 1, Episode 2. Uh, today we'll be talking about the major Equifax payout, how going to the hospital could be a risky decision, and Google and Facebook tracking your spicy internet history. Joining me today is Aaron Fletcher and Jonathan Green. Say hi. Hello. So I'll be going over the hospital vulnerabilities. Uh, the first one is a critical bug that they found in infusion systems, um, allowing uh, changing of drug doses in medical pumps. Uh, so discovered by CyberMDX, which is a cybersecurity firm based in New York, focused specifically on medical networks. Um, they run a really good blog. Uh, we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, but they discovered on June 13th that there were two vulnerabilities in Alaris gateway workstations. Uh, it was a flaw in the firmware code of the device. Um, and the vulnerability could be exploited remotely and without any authentication. Um, so Alaris Gateway Workstation, which is the people that make the device, is a product of um, Bechtum and Dickinson. Uh, it's a, their parent company. And it's used to communicate with infusion pumps and to power them during blood transfusion, um, anesthesia, and various uh, therapy sessions like chemotherapy and, and dialysis. So, so these are like network devices in a hospital that you could be yes. like, you know, hooked up to. Yes, correct. Like, do you, what, what authentication method do they use? Did it mention? Uh, it says or I'm uh, sorry. What port are they using? Like what uh, protocol? That I was not able to find. I tried to look for more uh, specifics of like what they were actually using. Um, I think for this one, yeah, it says that they it said that you could send a uh, um, SMB protocol, a server message block, oh, um, and you could use that to to exploit uh, the machine. So I don't, it doesn't say that it's using any like. Uh, authentication or anything like that at all. You know, but hospitals in general just have so many vulnerabilities just by oh, the yeah. nature of what they do. Like, uh, yeah. I know at um, DEF CON last year, they were talking about how someone, you know, that all those Cat5 ports they have in the hospital, there's no port mm -hmm. security on them, right? So, you know how they have the nurses monitoring station down the hall, typically that's monitoring everyone's, like, vital yeah. signs and yeah, their yeah. drug dosage and everything? Apparently, mm. someone can plug in like a Raspberry Pi into that network and just start authenticating to the life support machines <laughs> and then start changing the information. And they took the patient off of the life support machine and it just mimicked the data it was sending back to it using like Wireshark. Wow. Like, well, the thing was, is um, me, me and Aaron actually went and saw this talk together last year at DEF CON. And it wasn't even like, it's not even just taking off the patient. You could like intercept. And, and not just kill them, like show it flatlining. You can call it, make it show like they have tachycardia where their heart's going like yeah, 200 yeah. beats a minute or it can make it look like it's super slow mm -hmm. or erratic. All kinds of stuff. Their blood pressure going up and down. Well, even then, they can shit. make it look normal. Like they, they were giving the – like someone could be dead for a couple of hours before anyone actually comes to checks on them because we all know yeah. hospitals aren't exactly the the best at you know taking care of people. But it, well, it's yeah, really actually scary. Yeah. Like, you know, they're not using any modern, like, I know the, the talk that we had last year, they were discussing the computer that the, the nurses stations are running on are all running on Windows XP and a quite old version yes. of Windows XP as well. Like, yeah, come on now. Um, but apparently yeah. the software doesn't work with anything newer, so there's nothing they can do about it. Jeez, someone needs to come out with the updated software, I guess. Yeah, that's a big problem with any industrial stuff like that is none of the d device drivers are maintained to work with anything past XP. Are they changing why, that in any sort of way? Why is that? Like, yeah. 
Well, part of it is some of these companies have gone out of business or been acquired or they're trying to push a new product. But, you know, these these things are built well, like the same with MRI machines and stuff like that. They yeah, don't go yeah. bad, you know, so like they just don't make anything past like XP. They just uh, maybe the new stuff that's coming out, maybe. But I haven't looked into that too much, so I can't. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Microsoft has ended full long term support for XP as well. So there's no way they're getting any updates to that, right? Uh, Microsoft has done a few things, like with the one yeah, in the um, Intel management was, uh, engine one. Yeah, there there was um, a couple updates they pushed just because of how critical and uh, uh, they know that yeah, this is still yeah. being used oh, on yeah. SCADA that makes sense. and industrial stuff, but there's not continual updates. Well, they also have, you know, like for, I was reading the other day, like this is an off topic, but similar to like industrial in general, like John said, you know, I was reading that power plants are also still running off Windows XP or even DOS most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ba- just basic versions of operating systems that they've been running on for 35 plus years. Like mm-hmm. the one I was reading about was a coal power plant that was somewhere in Texas. And um, apparently when they did a security audit, they were able to social engineer their way in by saying they were mechanical engineers from, you know, an unspoken company. Um, <laughs> and they were able to not only get in the plant, but get them to open the doors to the networking closets that control all of the different boilers and the machines <laughs> that control the boilers. And they were able to plug in and simulate that the boilers were uh, overheating and they actually yeah. responded to that. And they were just standing downstairs wondering what was going on because the <laughs> boilers would look normal. Oh, and like, no I mean, think. I mean, they didn't do anything harmful in this one, but it's yeah, actually yeah, pretty yeah. interesting because what could they have done? They could have, you know, caused the plant to melt down. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it's just extremely dangerous. And that shows how, like, not only healthcare, but industry in general. Little, mm-hmm. You know, this, we're kind of veering off topic, but um, if you use the internet search engine showed him, uh, you can find all kinds of things. They've shown uh, hydroelectric plants like dams on online. Um, they've shown different uh, hydrogen fuel cells, all kinds of just industrial stuff that they add internet on, yeah, but they never yeah, secure yeah. it. And it's just kind of kind of in the vein open. with this. I'm just wondering: has anyone actually found like uh, I, I, I'm having trouble remembering what was the healthcare like targeted um, malware that came out sometime last year, 2018 maybe or 2017? I know it was like ransomware that was just locking up entire hospitals. Oh yeah, I thought that was WannaCry. Was it like WannaCry? Yeah. Well, I know WannaCry affected more than just healthcare. Yeah, WannaCry. I know at DevCon last widespread. year it was a it was a really big issue. Because I know that the NHS paid a lot of money um, to get some of the WannaCry yeah. stuff yeah. removed. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, anyway, back to this topic. Um, so it does say the adversary would still need to to have knowledge about Windows like CE environment. And how to communicate, uh, how communication protocols function, and the and, and the uh, affected products. So you'd have to have some knowledge, I guess. You also have to know how to modify uh, CAB files. Um, so it, I, I guess it would take a little more than just like a, a kitty script. Um, just kind of like so it would take more than just if you knew the IP to get in. I, I know at DevCon when they when they did talk about this, they were able to actually buy the equipment offline. And then bring it to their house and mess with it. So, like, what what uh, they did, they showed actual like videos of them doing it live. Yeah, yeah. Um, where they actually just bought the equipment off of eBay from a wholesale retailer, from uh, mm-hmm. you know, who sold medical equipment, like yeah. a 
like a home hospice type care thing where you could buy yeah, that equipment yeah. and bring it home. No, you don't have to stay in the hospital. And they were just testing it on that and managed to actually, you know, do some penetration testing and actually find out how all of that would work in a hospital environment. The only bad Jeez. thing is you have to be inside the hospital to do it. Yes, you do have to be on the network. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, um, that's that's really not that hard. It's, it's yeah, really it's, terrible. That this is what it's come comforting. to. Yeah. No. <laughs> and it is. More uh, reason I don't want to be in a hospital. They do note in here that it is important to note that the majority of the, the Becton Dickinson uh, fusion systems were not affected. This was only certain models. Um, and okay. also they've, they've already pushed out uh, patches and stuff that, that, that'll fix this. And they're also looking into securing their networks more. Um, but still, I mean, it still happened. So <laughs> they have to be given a lot of, uh, a lot of credit for actually patching their devices because I know a mm -hmm. lot of like, uh, I think I read a story about a dialysis machine where they were, they were found some similar flaw in it and they just did nothing about it. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> and I, I think, I think if you find a industrial manufacturer who's willing to actually fix and stay up with their product, yeah, you know, that, make that sure it's always up there. Yeah. That, that says a lot about them and you know, their commitment to their own products. That's amazing. Yeah, but yeah, at uh, CyberMDX, they uh, recommended the hospitals um, block the, the server message block protocol, um, segregate their VLANs, which they were not doing, um, and ensure only appropriate associates have access mm -hmm. to the computer network. So I don't know if that's some sort of key card um, or something like that, just so, you know, it's just a, put another hurdle in the way of someone just accessing all this stuff on the network. Sounds like basic um, networking, but <laughs> yeah, I know. But I was um, reading this over, seems, and I was like, "This should have been done in the beginning." I'm pretty sure. Seems like that's not really known, is it? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's more reason why we're always gonna have a job, guys. Yep. <laughs> Someone who always doesn't secure their network. Uh, right, but not onto the second one. Um, this involves uh, anesthesia machines, um, which allows changing in gas mixing levels. Uh, it was found by the uh, head of research at CyberMDX, again, CyberMDX, um, looking out for these hospitals. Um, uh, Elad, Elad Lutz, I believe is his name. Um, he found it uh, late June, July. Um, so you have to be on the same network again with this one, but there is no no authentication. As long as you know the IP, you can log in and, and start changing uh, certain aspects of these machines. Um, these are GE uh, Estiva and GE Aspire anesthesia systems, uh, which is General Electric. It's owned by General Electric. Um, uh, GE Healthcare is, is their parent company. Um, so again, you, as you have to be on the same network, there is no authentication. Um, wow. So yeah, this, this wait, can also wait, be done see. remotely as well. So you just type in the IP, and we're saying nothing at all. No password prompt. It's just like, here you no. go. <laughs> it says, the, the so it says the downgrade attack would allow not only remotely adjusting the composition of the anesthetic gas mixtures, but also suppressing alarms, changing the time and date on the system, and modifying uh, barometric pressure. So no user interaction whatsoever with the actual device. Doesn't require authentication. You just log into the machine, you're good to go. So is so, there something that is this like a built-in part of the machine? Like I'm, um, I'm wondering like is this just lack of configuration on the hospital's portion, or is it lack on the manufacturer's part where they didn't include the, the security features as a given? Um, I believe 
it's both. Uh, because the GE Healthcare pushed out updates to fix the vulnerability, but they also recommended basically the same stuff that they recommended before, you know, network seg- uh, segmentation, device isolation, um, you know, putting restrictions on access, stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure this is uh, uh, this is on both their ends, I guess, um, the machine and the uh, the hospital's uh, network. Okay. Little, little lacking. Absolutely terrible. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. have some poor anesthesiologist going to prison. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because someone yeah. dies on the table because they, didn't... yeah, <laughs> someone's messing with the gases. Well, seeing we're talking about hospitals and everything, uh, I feel like it's good to mention uh, Barnaby Jack's research. He was a New Zealand hacker, programmer, uh, computer security expert. Fortunately, he died in 2013, but he did stuff with um, heart implants and pacemakers, and he was actually able to send an electric shock to anyone wearing a pacemaker within 50 foot radius. Wasn't he using Bluetooth, John? Yeah, I believe it was. Uh, I think Bluetooth or Bluetooth low energy. See, this two. is like the, I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but you've got to be kidding me. They included Bluetooth on a pacemaker. Like, <laughs> are you serious? Next you're thing you know, they're gonna have a it. Wi-Fi card installed, and everybody just could be up in your heart. Like, come on now. <laughs> it it's like getting a, a robotic extreme. foot you control through Bluetooth. Like, Wait, why so why I did they put it? Bluetooth on it? Like, what was the reason was for it? putting Bluetooth on it? to link it to their phone app um i want to say there was some it, it helped with monitoring and uh different stuff like that i'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember um right now so i won't quote yeah me. yeah, yeah. but it was for some like uh comfort of life i think diagnostics okay. and stuff like that gotcha. yeah. i would rather not have diagnostics done like i <laughs> yeah, i mean it's I terrible that someone that. has to get a pacemaker but Bluetooth guys, come on now. It seems like a little much. <laughs> I think that's just like someone's like, hey guys, I have a way that we can monitor this, and no one says, hey, that's probably a bad idea. Like, <laughs> I think it's just a lack in this, you know, since we're discussing this industry, it's just a lack in this industry of security concepts being implemented. Like, yeah, they're like, you can tell, like, pacemakers with Bluetooth, you know, devices with no authentication that plug into networks, like, yeah, hospitals who whose budgets are so thin in the IT department that they just mm-hmm. have some guy come in here and throw a switch in here and doesn't do any work whatsoever on how to secure that what you know at all. Yeah. Running yeah, Windows yeah. XP all over the place. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It, in today's day and age it seems like such an oversight. It's like a I mean, I don't know if it's cuz we work in IT, but like it seems like a given that if you're going to set up a network Especially that have machines that you're keeping people alive, you would segregate the network and secure it so that people can't just log into your machines and start changing things. I mean, no, you would I think. I'm wondering what hospitals are talking about, though. That's what really. That's really what's coming through my mind right now. Is like, mm-hmm. can I avoid those hospitals specifically? <laughs> well, it's not even the hospital. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it is the hospitals because they're not they're not keeping up on their network security. But it's also these machines as well. Um, they have been patched, um, so that's that's good. GE patched theirs as well, um, so that's that's good. Um, but have you guys heard of the CISA, Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency? Oh, oh yeah, okay. So yeah, that so actually like, got me for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so this, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I was reading up on them because they they worked hand in hand with uh, CyberMDX to mm-hmm. to uh, get it out there that these systems were vulnerable. Um, so the hospitals could start um, start working on uh, um, mediation. And 
apparently this department was signed in uh, signed into being by Trump, I think, last year, 2018, 2017. Um, you can go on their site, and part of the, the CISA is the um, ICS uh, CERT. Uh, uh, government loves their acronyms. It's the Industrial Control Systems Cyber Emergency Response Team. Um, but that's a part of the CISA, and basically they go around and they, uh, they describe it as a megaphone for vendors and vulnerability finders. So if someone finds a vulnerability um, or a vendor finds a vulnerability in their, uh, in their product, they can tell the CISA and then they push it out to everyone else and they post it publicly so that everyone can, can read it and then, and then mediate their, uh, uh, their vulnerabilities. I, don't know, I, I thought that was pretty, a pretty cool idea. See, I've noticed with stuff like that, though, like, like from going to DEF CON and everything, I think a lot of the you know, the community that does this just for, you know, information and for fun. Like, they do yeah. a lot of, like, uh, what are they? Uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like bug bounties and bug hunts, right? Um, well, there's a lot of companies that do the uh, bug bounties and um, stuff like that. And there's actually, uh, there's, I want to say, the 18-year-old kid. He was able to make six figures plus a year yeah. just doing bug wow. bounties. They pay a lot of money to make sure they're so mm -hmm. secure. And they'd rather pay it to someone trying to help yeah. them out than waste it on, uh, you know, um, a PR disaster yeah. and, and all that stuff because of that. Well, I know when we were at DEF CON last year, someone discussed like a major Cisco vulnerability. I think Cisco paid him like 15 grand just for that one. Like, wow. it, it was, it was pretty large. Like, you know, so those types they, of things are, how do they set that sort of thing up? Like, do you just, <laughs> I'm guessing you don't just attack the company and then tell them afterwards. Like, do you, do you tell them you're going to like pen test their network or well, there's a, there's a website called Bug Crowd, and I, I know that's just one of the couple, but these companies can put their stuff on there, and then if you they uh, if you find a bug with whatever they're asking about, they are they will agree to pay you a certain amount of money. Really? Oh, okay. Hmm. Like I'm on there right now. And there's AT and T. There's AOL. There's Adobe. There's AOL on there. Believe it or not, there's there's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. I'll click on it, but didn't know AOL existed. Yeah. Still, my bad. Not, I didn't either. <laughs> you got mail. You've got mail. I believe there's 20th Century Fox. You know, oh, okay. um, all right. A lot of big names. Either way, definitely have like those options available. I think if you know if more companies get involved in that, because there's definitely like that that gray side where I think they do attack and then tell them later. It's yeah, like, hey, by yeah. the way, I found this. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like. <laughs> while i was stealing your info i found this i don't know i think companies should do like regular like um you know attacks on their own networks or their own products and say well yeah that's what they should be well, doing yeah like if if i ran a company i'd be like hey if you find anything wrong security wise with our product uh, you know we will pay you five grand a piece yeah. like i feel like for a large mega corporation like that's that's chump change to them and then you're going to have people who are actually looking for stuff wrong in your software. And plus that'll hold your developers accountable to like make sure that they're making good products because then you'll be able to trace back like, Hey, who designed this portion of the program? Like, yeah. And if this person keeps making mistakes, we're going to get them out of here. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And also then you, uh, you have a, a paper trail of people who are trying to help you. Um, I mean, you can point to that and be like, okay, this area has a lot of vulnerabilities. People are finding a lot of stuff in here. So maybe we need to look at that area instead of just, you know, not doing anything. And then someone takes advantage of a soft spot, uh, in your security. Definitely. So yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, 
So, John, do you want to go over the uh, Google and Facebook tracking your spicy internet history? Oh, yeah. This one I thought was uh, incredibly interesting just because I'm a huge privacy nut. But there was a study. uh, It had researchers from Microsoft, Carnegie Mellon, and the University of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I might not have said all that correctly, but they analyzed 22,484 uh, pornography websites using a tool called Web X-Ray and it identified tracking tools um, that it showed all the third parties and stuff like yeah. that. And um, what am I trying to say? What are some of the major websites? But it didn't list any uh, specific websites. Mm. It just mentioned that um, a lot of them don't use encryption and whatnot, and uh, it just leaves them easier to be hacked and uh, stuff like that. And it mentions that even enabling incognito mode has no defense. It, it'll still, your data still gets out there, and uh, Google and Facebook and all these people can hmm. still track your hmm. pornography searches. So how, how does this tracking work? Is it through, like, cookies or, like, what, what, what is it doing? Is it embedded into the web page? Um, it mentioned trackers. I didn't see any specific mentions on the uh, Business Insider article I was reading about it. But I would assume cookies. It didn't, I would assume cookies. It, it could be cookies. or be the easiest um, way, I would think. It did mention that, you know how Facebook has the like icon yeah. on certain websites? Um, that, that like button actually has trackers and stuff built into <laughs> it, so that can be part of why it's sharing stuff to Facebook. and. Jeez. And the Google Analytics, Google's a big ad network, so oh, yeah. I believe part of that's associated with the, some of the tracking as well. So it's tracking it, for for ad revenue then, or for uh, like data selling. Um, it didn't specifically mention the ads and whatnot, okay. but what I thought was interesting is it, it mentioned Oracle's also tracking could track the porn you're watching, and it doesn't give a reason why or how because <laughs> like Facebook, you mentioned the like buttons, and Google, the Google Analytics, yeah, 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 but the uh, it didn't mention much about Oracle, so I don't. Who knows what Oracle's doing? Maybe uh, <laughs> for for Oracle, Oracle's actually really getting into the you know the cloud market. Like the three big cloud mm-hmm. providers right now are, um, you know, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, and they're all kind of mm-hmm. coming up with their own way to do ad revenue. We know Google owns YouTube, Amazon yeah, has Amazon.com. Yeah. You know, Facebook is obviously another big. Um, source of ad revenue. So for reasons they might want to track you, like your data is one of the most important things that these companies sell. Yeah. Um, you know, anything that goes through all the AWS services, it's obviously secure. But think how many websites they host there. Think of how much data they actually have access to. And I'm not exactly sure how that might necessarily work on their side. Mm-hmm. But just the amount of data that's flowing through these large cloud providers is absolutely astronomical. And if they find a way to sort through that, like I know Oracle is getting into the the cloud hosting, you know, arena in the enterprise section mm-hmm. um, through their through the reports that they've been putting out, and they're they're doing okay at it. But I'm pretty sure that's why they want you know part of that pie, the data pie. Um, but so like, I don't know if it's uh, reading the article. It even mentions that. Uh, they, when they contacted Facebook and Google, they said they do not use it to build marketing profiles on uh, individuals um, using the information gathered from these porn sites and whatnot. So it, it's kind of interesting what they actually use all this for. They just they just using it to do their whole data mining, or uh, I mean, that's kind of to do. for me. That's kind of the 
I guess the scary part is you don't really know what these companies are using your data for. I mean, <laughs> if you if you click accept on any terms or conditions or whatever, or visit their website, they can basically do whatever they want with your data. Um, currently, I mean, we don't have very many laws against any sort of um, like data use, See, as far I as I know. I, I just I don't I don't like that, and I don't necessarily believe them either. Like, there's so many you know times people have been like, yeah, we we don't use any of this for X. Yeah, right. And I think a lot of that is like I think the public affairs departments in these these companies, I don't think they actually know what's going on. Yeah. And like I, I gotta be honest with you, especially with these large machines like Google and Facebook, like I think there's very few people who actually know what's going on like behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Because that monster's huge. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, when you get a company that size, you probably don't know what the left hand probably doesn't know what the right hand's doing anymore. Yeah, like yeah. I, I gotta be honest with you, like Google's a massive company and they have so many small subsets of businesses within them. Mm-hmm. I wonder how anyone could know. Like, I don't really, I don't really honestly blame them. They're huge. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that you can't, you physically can't. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like that either. I don't like that companies just kind of harvest all this data and then just kind of throw up a blanket statement of, oh, we won't do anything bad with it. And then just kind of leave <laughs> with all your info. <laughs> you don't really know what they're yeah, doing. So if you guys want to, um, directly from the Business Insiders article, it says um, the study found that Google or its subsidiaries had 74% of the trackers, Oracle had 24%, and Facebook 10%. Um, so it kind of shows that Google and Oracle are leading the way, and Facebook is just kind of there on the yeah. end. Well, I mean, Facebook has their own. It's very interesting. But it it also mentions that the study also found uh, only 17% of the porn sites were encrypted. So all the other ones are left open and it leaves users vulnerable to hackers and stuff like that. Uh, does it mention which one of those are encrypted and which one is not? <laughs> like... you, you trying to, to save yourself? I'm trying to, you know, make sure I'm safe online, guys. Like... <laughs> It's good to practice your internet security. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess what, like a, a VPN and a Tor browser would do about the same? I mean, a VPN would do uh, wonders, but for this specific one right here where it's tracking you based on like what you're clicking on, I don't think the VPN would necessarily do a lot. It would it would obscure your location. That's what I'm saying, the Tor browser, because you can't identify a single person. Tor browser would be slightly better because it has the uh, different add-ons yeah. built yeah. in that help delete cookies and block trackers, yeah. and it blocks a lot of other stuff like the HTML5 Canvas mm-hmm. data and um, stuff like that. But I think the majority but then it of also that, breaks a lot of websites yeah, too. Uh, I think the majority of that though can just be gotten rid of with a VPN and maybe something like Ghostery or AdBlocker Plus or something like that. Yeah. Like, like those simple things, like I'm looking at mine right now, looking at a website. It's like, yeah, we blocked eight tracking requests. Yeah. The page still loaded pretty quick. Like, but it does break some websites. Like some websites have gotten really smart to this because it also blocks all those ad, you know, the ad revenue trackers. Yes. Yep. So yep. a lot of websites. Well, some do of the trackers work. are actually essential for some of the website's functions. Like I've had it with uh, submitting various um, forms using websites. Like, mm-hmm. If I don't enable trackers, it'll give me an yes, error, yep. and then I have to like enable. They integrate it into the the usability of the site, so you have to you have to yeah. take off your ad block. I was um, I had to refresh my my browser one time um, and reinstall it, 
and I open it up and I always have ad blocker on there, um, on Firefox. And I went to YouTube and <laughs> I, I don't know if it's, if it's always been this way, but there are so many ads like on, on major websites that I never even noticed with oh, yeah. the, with the ad block. Like I went on YouTube and there was like five ads in the video. There was like 16 ads that it blocked on the homepage. And I was like, I've never noticed this before because I always have ad blocker on. Well, part of the thing with so ads weird. is uh, a lot of these people actually do use the ads for their living. Yes. But because yeah. everyone's using ad blocker, they have to put in, in video. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fine uh, disabling advertisements, I'm fine disabling ad block on, on certain um, like, you know, like YouTubers and stuff like that. I'm fine with that if they want to use ads on their videos. And there actually is an option, I believe, in Adblock, um, Adblock Plus or, or one of them where you can put in the URL of a YouTube channel and it will disable the Adblock for, for any ads that are on the video, um, which I like. So if, if there is someone you want to support, obviously take, you know, take the Adblocker off or put their URL, URL in there or something like that. So I'm but, looking through the actual study right now and it mentions a lot of big websites like uh, uh, porn.com, Chatterbait, Pornhub, YouPorn, and it just uh, mentions how how uh, it kind of shows who's tracking which one, like Pornhub split up between EXO Click and Alphabet, <laughs> and then apparently Twitter is actually on YouPorn for some reason, I don't know why, <laughs> because... It, so the article graced over, there is a couple other people in this whole tracking game. It's not just Google, Oracle, and Facebook. Yeah. But those are the big buzz names. Um, there's a lot more involved. And I can uh, we can attach the article in the, the study in the description if you, people are interested. Yeah, definitely. The yeah, we'll post all the, all the articles that yeah, we would definitely source from. Wow. So are these companies just... I'm just, I'm just trying to think, like in my head forming a theory like do these companies go to google and say hey we have a lot of users track our users or is this google going to the smaller companies or i guess not smaller i mean the porn industry is a billion dollar industry but like you know i'm just i'm just trying to think of how the how this gets worked out this little like tracking drug deal they have going on i mean i I think what people are worried about is uh, like Google has a lot of good stuff like with Google Analytics so you can determine how many you know new users uh, returning users are coming back to your site and mm. stuff like that oh yeah it's yeah, just a problem that they're on this site and it's such a kind of a sensitive slightly taboo topic it's it's what's concerning people well, yeah, yeah for sure. um, even though they claim they don't use it for marketing profiles you know like they're still gathering all this information because they have access to all the other parts of our lives yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I know that's the biggest red flag for me. I mean, anytime you go anywhere know. online, you're being tracked by someone, unfortunately. I don't know. I kind of see it as like, for for what part? Like, you got to remember, like, with, with the porn industry specifically, like, their subscription model, like, there used to be magazines, right? And then websites started <laughs> yeah, coming out. Yeah. And, you know, they have, like, the premium aspect of, like, porn websites. I think they're yeah. finding new ways to make money. Because not that like with the internet now, there's no reason to pay for any of that. You, you don't have to. True. Yeah. You know, you you can find it anywhere on the internet, just like you can with it's digital media anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you can find music online, you can find movies, TV shows. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know your triple X, you know, <laughs> rated films. Yeah. Um, but I think they're trying to find another way to diversify their income, and I think selling that data of all those users who go to that website is a is a valid way to do that. Like, yeah. It's a, I mean, you are using their website 
it's it's a for me i guess it's a shady way but it is a valid business move i mean they have users coming to the site and if they can you know sell the data of these users that are coming to their site and possibly if google is sharing that data with them to improve their site um then i i mean if i was that business that would be a a you know a win-win for for everyone <laughs> but then again think of how much it costs to run like a website like you know like Pornhub yeah. like or YouTube or any of these like you know my, my thing is if I were in that business I'd be like hey you're not paying for it so you know quit complaining like yeah, you know, we, yeah, yeah. we're tracking you and we're selling this data but it's free isn't it yeah. like you know you're not paying anything you're giving me your data yeah and, that- and it's actually pretty interesting I have to find what app it was but I know there was an app now that allows you to sell your data <laughs> To like Google and Facebook. I'm I'm serious. It installs on your what? phone. It installs on your phone as a VPN, and it captures all of your data on your Android phone. I don't know if it's on iOS. I know it's on Android. Jeez. And then what you do is it'll tell you how much your data is worth depending on what websites you're going to, what you're doing online, what apps you're using, and then it gives you the ability to sell that data on your own behalf, like. And their their slogan was like, "Why not you? Why don't you sell your data and stop allowing other companies to?" Jeez, that's that's some next level. It's a big <laughs> market. Next level. It's stuff it's there. it's a big market. I yeah, mean, it's just yeah, it's yeah. showing like where we're going now. Like especially with all the new privacy discussions with you know regulators in different countries. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to become an interesting space very very quickly. And I don't think anyone's really paying attention to it. But now there's other companies out there that are like. We're going to allow you to sell your own data. I mean, it's it's a novel idea. I mean, they're not wrong. Why not you? I would rather have that implemented where you can sell your data if you want to rather than just the blanket, you know, if you visit our site, we're going to capture all your data. Um, I mean, I would I would rather that be implemented than, um, than just automatically. But still, that's – wow. <laughs> I think it's going to end up being a very interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, Aaron, do you want to um, go over the uh, major Equifax payout? Oh, yes. So, everybody knows about the Equifax breach that happened in uh, 2017. 2017, yep. uh, 147 million Americans um, were affected by it. So, now the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, has decided and settled with Equifax on what they have to pay out in order to remedy the situation with most of the Americans. It was a class action lawsuit um, on Equifax. So, they have agreed to pay $700 million. Now, that $700 million is going to be split up. Um, so, it's not all going to be $700 million to absolutely everyone. Mm-hmm. Um they're going to pay $575 million to help compensate the victims of hackers who stole personal data from Equifax servers. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily to absolutely everyone, but people who can substantially claim that, hey, I was actually affected by this. I had my identity stolen, and I think you you played a part in letting you know them steal it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so it, it covers like the, the cost of a security breach or identity theft or you getting uh, credit monitoring or freezing your credit file or, you know, any of those things that you would have had to pay for. Yeah. Um, I submitted mine. So, like, there is a way to go through. There's a website. We can post the link to it as well mm-hmm. where you can submit your claim. So, basically, what they're going to do is they're going to say – it's going to ask you different questions. It's going to say, hey, 
you know, how much time did you spend through? They're going to pay you $25 per hour that you spent working on, you know, your credit, freezing your credit file, getting LifeLock or anything like that. Mm. You know, one of those credit monitoring companies. Yeah. And the second page is going to say, were you affected by identity theft? And then you can be paid up to $20,000 on that second page. Jeez. If you can prove that you had an identity theft issue that they can correlate to the Equifax breach. Yeah, yeah. Or you could take the easy route, which is what me and, you know, my wife did. We're going down the road of we just want $125. Now, I, I do have something to caveat here because the January 22, 2020 is the filing deadline. They are not going to pay people out until January 22nd, 2020. <laughs> so depending on how many people actually come forward and apply yeah. is going to say how much everyone is going to end up getting paid. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, uh, the verge did some math on this, um, because they read the fine terms and conditions that you sign when you go to the website and apply. Mm -hmm. Um, so if 1 million people ask for that $125 payment and no more, we'll all end up getting 31 dollars each not 125 dollars 125 dollars <laughs> is what they're baselining at wow so if all 147 million people who are breached sign up you're only going to get 21 cents so Jeez. it depends if less people sign up and they have leftover money everyone's going to end up getting more money not less yeah so there's like yeah. a you know obviously a formula they're working in the background to see like who was most affected and who money needs to go to and mm -hmm. all that other stuff but I, I think that this is a small sum for Equifax. I think they need to pay a lot more. Yeah, like, no, I definitely agree. They they really messed up. And I think everybody knows about the Equifax breach right now. Yeah. But if you haven't done the the claim yet, you need to go do it ASAP. Hmm. Um, that way you can at least be in the running for some money, even if it's only 31 cents. 31 <laughs> cents is a lot more money than you had before, so or a little bit more money. Yeah. So what do you have to do? What's the process of, of proving? Like what what would people have to have to use to prove that they were affected? Like are we talking like bank yeah, statements so you, or like No, 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 no. So you, you go to their website and you enter your last six digits of your social security number and your last name. And then it'll say, hey, you were affected oh. or you were not affected because oh, okay. they know what databases were breached. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you don't have to submit any like documents or anything proving that your identity was stolen. If you claim over the $125 base payment, you mm -hmm. do. Oh, okay. Or if you, it's more than 10, 10 hours. hours. Yeah. Or if you claim that your identity was stolen. You can't just be like, I want $20,000 and my identity was stolen yeah. and then not give any documentation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So over 10 so, hours of work or... With the 10 hours, they still would like documents, but it's not required. If you claim over 10 hours, you have to submit a supporting document. Otherwise, they're not going to give you shit. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That, that makes a little more sense. Yeah, but it's – at least they're doing something about it. it. It is very nice to see, you know, some sort of money. But I'll be honest with you. I'm not too optimistic that we're probably going to see that $125. Yeah. I think we're all going to end up getting something like $10 maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to be about it, like, to be completely honest about the situation. Like, John, I know you applied too, right? I did. I did claim a couple hours. Of course um, you did. Well, I actually, I meticulously looked over my credit report and signed up for a various uh, credit for monitoring, like, LifeLock. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Protect my ID and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, How much is LifeLock? Is it expensive? 
Um, I'm trying to remember which one I signed up for. I can't remember if I only got it for a year or more, but uh, is it free? Well, sometimes it is. If you if you get it via a uh, like sometimes if a company gets hacked, they're required to give you some kind of monitoring mm. for a period of time. But but LifeLock is a nine dollars ninety nine cents a month for the first year. Um, and then there's different packages. And I've heard several, um, like radio personalities and stuff, uh, giving out like codes as well for for discounts. So if you search around, I'm sure you could find a. Uh, oh yeah, I, I guarantee there's coupon codes and. I've heard at least like that. two or three in the past uh, like year or so. So if you search around, I'm sure you could find yeah. another one. It's also worth noting there's a there's a website annualfreecreditreport.com that you can go to, and once a year you can get a credit report from every major credit bureau, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion in the United States. They are required by law to give it to you. And, like, I know people pay for these, you know, other services, but, like, honestly, in my opinion, like, I I do mine. I only use Credit Karma, and I pull my credit report once a year, mine and my wife's. Like, And, you know, if you do that once a year, I think you'll be absolutely fine, to be honest. Like, I mean, if you want to be more proactive, that's fine, but You'll notice, like, Credit Karma will let you know, like, hey, there's another account that just popped up. And it's like, well, I don't have a mortgage, so I don't know who does, but it's not me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but even then, like, fraud like this, like, I think it's starting to go down in the technical age, to be honest, because, you know, there's so many different ways to monitor your credit right now. Like, if you're yeah, not doing it, yeah. then, you know, who can you really blame but yourself? Because it's not like it's not available to you. Oh, no. And there's plenty it's, of free services. It's, it's- it's ever increasing too. Like, uh, let's just say this: if you wanted to completely ruin someone's life, um, at least for the short term, once you have your social security number, you can do all kinds of stuff. You can uh, port your phone, their form, their uh, phone number to a new SIM card, so that in all the dual factor authentication from Facebook and all that, yeah, you have their phone number. Um, all this other stuff, you can start applying for credit. You can literally uh, destroy someone's life. And, and this is a bigger discussion on why the social security number wasn't actually designed to be yes. an identifying number at all. Oh, my word. But, yeah, we're using it as a national identification. It was yeah. never, ever, yeah, ever no. designed to do that. Like, speak, you know, swapping topics for a minute, you know, there are other countries in Europe that actually have, like, uh, PKI infrastructure mm-hmm. for you know, every one of their citizens, they get similar to the, um, uh, the closest thing would probably be the DOD, uh, common access cards. Yeah. And, and those are very interesting. Like they use those to vote. I don't, I don't know what country it is. John, do you remember? Um, I'm looking it up. I think it's right like now. Romania. Uh, no, it was, it was, I think it was like Lithuania or Estonia. Or I would, I would much rather have right that. Now. Yeah, no, it, it is absolutely amazing. So like their voter turnout is like 80% higher than the United States even though they're a smaller country because they don't have to leave their home. They can vote on the internet and, you know, PKI at this point, you know, if it's implemented properly, hasn't been broken. Yeah. Yeah. It is Estonia. It is Estonia. It's Estonia. Yep. Like that is absolutely amazing. And their citizens, like they can use that to buy, you know, like they sell like, uh, cigarettes and machines. Mm -hmm. And basically what you do is, is you put your card inside and it verifies your age immediately. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. the, The use of these cards is amazing. Like, you know, and we don't like my driver's license in the United States doesn't have anything like that. No, <laughs> nothing at all. Like, and and we're relying on the human factor to give people like, you know, you know, alcohol, for instance. Like they talk about how easy it is to fake an ID in the United States. Mm-hmm. If we implement a PKI based 
system. Oh my word! Imagine if you go to Flash Foods, yeah, and you're or the gas station, and you're trying to buy a bottle of liquor, right? Yeah. There's yeah. going to be no fake ID because you have to put that ID into yeah. this machine and it's going to reject it because <laughs> well, it's not real. Yeah. I want to say that's the reason they made the Real ID Act of 2005 was to standardize IDs and make them have more um, um, different uh, features to make them less what, uh, easily faked and whatnot. And one of them I want to say is the, uh, the barcode. A lot of them have the – is it the PDF-417 barcode on the mm-hmm. back? Um, so I – I've noticed a lot of places will scan that, but even that is easily faked. Anyone, yeah. if they're willing to put in the effort, can make a can generate a barcode online just by visiting websites or downloading programs. Yeah, it's not that even hard. Then, me and you have talked about how, you know, John, we like we've all talked before about how easy it is to fake IDs. Oh, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to yeah. do illegal stuff here, but uh, like even like um, like I know I, I I saw a conversation one time about the the DoD Common Access Card, right? Mm-hmm. That can be that can be faked. Most definitely. Oh, you, can, oh. you can buy the printers online. You can buy the printers and the cards online. Yeah, you can buy literally. blank PIV um, CACs online. Uh, I want to say they were, I think I looked it well, up. Like $5? No, Let's they were a little, it was like a, a, a 10-pack for 150 I believe. I'd have to find the link again, but it was. But even then, like. Crazy. It, it's easy. Yeah. And you can buy the printer to go with it. It literally print your own out. Like as yeah. long as you have a picture of it. And I don't know if we've all had Google or not, but you can Google <laughs> what these things look like. And if you can make a Department of Defense card, mm-hmm. you can definitely go and make a you know, Washington State driver's license yeah. <laughs> if you have that type of like I think that's but even though I, I make that point to, on the, on the I make that point to yeah. say though. I make that point to say, though, is that if we implement PKI infrastructure into our IDs, that's impossible. You cannot do it anymore. Um, and, like, if you can use that in a multifaceted system. Like, this Equifax breach, mm-hmm. I, it doesn't really have to do with this, but this is a larger discussion on, like, ID systems. Like, yeah. imagine to, like, so your phone company, right? To talk to the phone company. You gotta you gotta go inside their store and you gotta put in this card, right? Or if you're on your computer at home, you gotta put your card into this card reader. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're gonna verify that it's actually you. Like someone would have to steal the physical card. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure like, there's like, I don't know security about you, but, questions that go along with that as well. So yeah, we Good could luck. make this so much better, <laughs> mm-hmm. like with PIN and a PKI certificate. The thing is, is we got to be wary that quantum computing is on the verge. You know, it is coming and PKI will largely be destroyed by quantum computing until something um, new has come out. There is some quantum resistant cryptography like the uh, what ECC and other different kinds. But the current yeah, but way is, on is now. now. Who's going to have access to that, though? Not everyone. Yeah, exactly. like, I, I doubt in the next fifty years you're going to have a quantum add-on card in your <laughs> desktop computer. Well, like I'm not men- I'm not talking about individual hackers. I'm talking more nation-state. Like we already are concerned about Russia oh, hacking okay. yeah, yeah. our uh, oh, previous okay. election. Well, it, this could be a bigger thing if China and Russia have quantum computers and we're using PKI. I guarantee you they will destroy anyone's uh, e-voting, like yeah, Estonia, true. if they had that kind of stuff and they have an interest in that. But I mean, realistically, we're far off from a true quantum computer. Like we, we're to the point where we can do like what? What is it like? Uh, what's the measurement? It's tiny. Like the qubits. We're not. Yeah, we're not to the point where we're doing like full scale quantum workloads. Like, and we're nowhere close to that. Like we're still trying to find ways to cool these things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just saying it, it's on the verge, and as technology spins up, yeah. it, it'll, it is I coming. can definitely see in the next 40 to 50 years, it'll be a more realistic uh, threat than what it is. Well, honestly, I, I think technology is getting to a point where it is beginning to like slow down just enough. Like I foresee quantum computing because people keep bringing up like quantum computing is going to break AES. It's going to break PKI. It's going to break all these. There's going to be nothing. Everyone's going to be screwed. And I'm like, I don't, I don't not foresee the normal individual or even most governments. Like I don't, I don't think if quantum computing was readily available to nation states, I don't think someone like North Korea could really afford it. So it'd really yeah. be the superpowers that are probably going to be running that, you know, China, America, Russia. Yeah. Russia, you know, and I think we're the only ones that can really afford to buy it. Yeah. It would basically, in my eyes, it would just be another standoff. It would be another Cold War. I mean, if we all have quantum computers, and, it would just be like we all have nukes, but no one uses them. So, like, <laughs> if well, we, see, we're thinking cynically. The, cyber's an interesting as, um, space because, like, no one's actually getting hurt. It's just you're stealing and fucking up everyone's shit. I mean, you uh, could well, get someone you know, hurt. We're, we're thinking, we're thinking very cynically too. Like I was reading an article online about how quantum computers are going to change, like the scientific realm. Like they could calculate complex workloads that have been running for ten years about string theory yeah. to actually yeah. either disprove or prove it. Like, you know, if 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 the human race is not as dark and evil as everyone makes it out to be that we're going to invent these quantum computers and someone's going to be like hey guys let's calculate you know what's on the other side of black holes or something like that like <laughs> let's use it for something that's I, I don't know i read all kinds of articles where like quantum computers are going to be able to map the whole universe or something like that like i read some <laughs> outlandish like because yeah. these scientists dude they're amazing they're like you know with this new technology based on what we know about the universe we can extrapolate you know what the rest of it looks like you know with that much computing power but i mean i, I just don't think we're all going to use it to destroy each other in the cyberspace <laughs> realm like the, the, anything with technology as we've seen nuclear was amazing because it well provided uh clean reliable energy uh yeah. to to a degree it also was, had the power of leveling cities it's a dual side key and it just depends on what door you're opening yeah, uh, well, true. you know, for the for the cyber side, man, what what is it you always say, John? You know, the 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 mouse is gonna always win, but the cat's gonna be well fed. Oh yes, it is a huge <laughs> cat and mouse game. I'm glad you remember. Yeah, that. so <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be that cat is gonna be eating, boy. But that mouse might be a little bit ahead, but that cat is right behind him. <laughs> and I think if this comes out, it might break oh. all that old stuff, dude. But not it's not going to break i'm glad you mentioned whatever it comes because out with it while rsa diffie hellman elliptic curve uh diffie hellman algorithms will be broken aes they only said it would cut it in half and that's still 10 times that's longer a, than the universe yeah. has ever been around <laughs> that's a um, long time. <laughs> that's a long um, amount of time stuff like uh they're even talking about quantum cryptography there's other kinds of quantum resistant supposedly quantum resistant like i said no one's been able to test it yet because they're not mm -hmm. widespread but yeah. I'm not trying to spread doom and gloom, but there is there were, people are, are making an effort, as it is right now, to um, position themselves yeah, to have resistant stuff in the future. How are they testing quantum-resistant encryption if we don't have an actual... Well, a lot of... Like, I think it's just all theory. Yeah, a lot of it's point. theoretical like, because there okay. is... IBM has their quantum computer actually on the internet. It's only a couple qubits, but you can... Um, yeah, there's a queue, obviously, but it's open to yeah. the world, 
and you can actually um, um, put your stuff on the computer when it's when it reaches your spot. And some what? people have been able to, yeah, it's called IBM Q, and you can on their website you can load up stuff and have it tested. From really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. It's, pr- it's pretty neat. What's and, the waiting list on that thing? Oh, I don't know. I've, I've never had anything. To, <laughs> I don't understand Chor's <laughs> algorithm or any of that to even attempt yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's above my I mean, grade. I don't think most people do, do like. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've looked up several stuff on quantum computing and most of it goes right over my head. <laughs> I mean. Well, it, I it's, understand it's the because theories it's not and stuff, the, but yeah, everything, all the technical stuff they're they're talking about. I, yeah. To be honest, from my from my viewpoint, it's just still in that that theoretical phase, mm-hmm. and it's going into the application phase. But until it comes like a part of our world, no one's really gonna like understand like truly. You yeah, know what I'm well, saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But there are some really like good talks on it. Like, um, I know there was a talk at Black Hat UK. Mm-hmm. Um, last year there was a, a good hour long talk discussing quantum machines and what the changes to the future are going to end up being. Yeah. And I know like they said like AES, like the implementation of AES is going to be your problem because like most websites they have, it, they use AES cryptography, but the way they implement it is apparently, and this is not really my, you know, field of expertise. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but mm-hmm. apparently they said like the way websites and computers and stuff implement the AES algorithm is flawed generally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if John's got any more information. I know he looks that crap up for fun. So, <laughs> well, um, <laughs> the, like the mathematics behind AES, like I said, is solid. Um, it will, quantum will be able to cut it in half, but even then, like I said, it, it's still forever for AES. It's really the public, uh, key and encryption, um, because there's the public key and there's a private key and they're mathematically related and that's how you can discern yeah. each other and they, because quantum computing is able to do all that math so much faster um that's really what we gotta worry yeah. about well, yeah i've always heard i mean encryption is only as strong as how you implement it so i mean yeah <laughs> you can have a super strong lock but if you you know don't put it on the door it's not going to do you much good so <laughs> definitely yeah, it definitely yeah, makes yeah. sense um all right i'm going to talk about uh a little side um, article that I have. This is, uh, so far all my stuff has been from bleepingcomputer.com. Uh, um, they were, they were pretty good. They posted a bunch of, uh, new articles, but this one is a fake office 365 site, uh, that, uh, downloads a trick bot Trojan, um, onto your computer. Hmm. So it, it looks, I mean, I have a picture over here and I can't see it, but it, it's the exact Microsoft website. It even has HTTPS and it says get, dash office 365.live it's the exact thing <laughs> send that they cloned the website oh they use dot live yeah dot live yeah so <laughs> that's hilarious so they cloned the website but if you if you actually inspect the the url there's an Page. extension onto it um that takes you to their to their site so the way that they they do this so you go to the site um and if it's the clone site it will pop up with a um uh, a browser update so for Chrome and, and Firefox, it looks a little different. Um, they have a few examples here, um, but it basically just looks like the normal, um, the normal update the little window that pops up it says Chrome Update Center, Firefox Update Center. Basically, if you update, if you click update, then it downloads the the Trojan uh, malware, and it's a uh, password stealing malware. 
So it downloads it to your browser and then it, it takes any saved passwords and stuff like that and then uh, um, sends them up to whoever pushed this out, I guess. Here, can you can you send me that link? Yeah, yeah, I can send it. Um, but yeah, so they... I want to go throw it in the sandbox. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> um, I, I yeah, think we'll this is interesting. Do you know what they did to uh, spoof the website? Because I've read other things on um, how they... You're able to use some Unicode characters from this Cyrillic alphabet that look exactly like uh, normal um, mm-hmm. characters, and they were able to spoof Apple um, doing that on certain browsers that are affected. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they did it. They have a picture of the website, and it it looks just like the website, but they said that there's just more to the URL that you that you can't see that you have to you have to go into the web page to actually find where it's actually sending you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it looks just like the website, but um, yeah, I guess it does install it in onto your computer. It says it infects the, uh, um, it gets injected into the uh, uh, SVC host.exe, uh, which is a, obviously a, a windows, mm-hmm. um, a windows file. Uh, but yeah. And then it just, uh, it's called, let's see, system info 64, I believe is, is one of them. Uh, we'll upload information about a victim's computer, installed programs, and Windows services. Um, it l- then launches a PWGRAB64, which is the um, the Trojan, the TrickBot uh, Trojan that steals your saved login credentials, serious? browsing history, form autofill information, and more. So anything that's saved to your browser. Yeah, and this is just so, <laughs> all from one one vulnerability. I just took John's. Uh the thing he just posted and I just put it into uh, Opera and then I also put it into Firefox which is affected by it. Yeah. That Unicode stuff is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, if you click on it, it, even it, is it shows apple.com in the URL. You would never have known um, unless you inspected the SSL it, certificate or something. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. If for the SSL certificate, it's also showing like when you click on it in Firefox, it's actually showing apple.com from the SSL oh, yes. certificate. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Only when you, only when you go look, dude. It, even when you oh. go all the way into it, yeah, like you, you have, have to, to click view the, the actual certificate. Yeah. yeah, they said. Uh, Are you serious? For this Microsoft site, they said even if you click on a link, it links you to the actual Microsoft site. <laughs> so, so if you if you click on the link, if you're like, oh, I'm gonna test this out, and you click on a link, it's fully usable. It's just a, it's basically a front for the Microsoft Store because mm. they they don't care what you click on in the store. They care about if you click on the browser update. That's what they try to try to get you with. Um, so obviously, if it pops up, you know, update your browser through the browser itself, not through a, a freaking update. Um, but yeah, it looks just like the site, That's, and it reroutes to Microsoft itself. That is terrible. <laughs> it's crazy. Good God. Well, John, do you have uh, another article there? Um. Well, there's just a, a little one I like mentioning. I'm, I'm, I kind of like all the uh, hydroponics and aquaponics stuff, but uh, just a quick article from Business Insider. They were saying uh, a robotic farm uses 90% less water than traditional farming, and that is going to be a hot commodity as, uh, you know, the uh, Earth continues to uh, increase in population. Like they're saying, we're supposed to be near 10 billion people by 2050, the World Resources Institute says. Um and that we're already having a food shortage in some countries, you know, in Africa and in other uh, more third world nations. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that if we could uh, make robotic farms and do all this, it'd be it could solve a lot of our problems. But 
you know, it's a step in the right direction. So are they saying like farms that exist now to switch to automatic or are they saying in, in like third world countries that are struggling, you could like plant a robotic farm because it uses less water? It doesn't, it uh, doesn't say how to implement it. It just, um, they were talking about how this, uh, this iron ox, they want to create more sustainable farming practices by combining robotics and hydroponics. And, uh, I think it'd be more apt for, uh, farms that are being built in the future. And, you know, this, this is more of a bigger discussion. They could probably combine it with vertical farming, I would assume, um, just because horizontal space is a lot more costly than vertical space. Yeah. 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 There's a, I was looking at a article where, um, I believe it was China started to do that where they did vertical farms and vertical like forests and stuff mm-hmm. rather than, cause they don't have a lot of space. Obviously they have a ton of people. So they were making vertical gardens and vertical like vineyards and stuff like that because it was so much easier to make a skyscraper garden than it is to make a, you know, a 40 acre garden. But I, I think that's a really good idea. It saves a lot of space and, I don't know. I think it looks well. Cool, the thing with but... water is that while the world is seventy percent water, uh, most of it is salt water, and we don't have a good desalination process that is energy efficient at the moment. Yeah. Like well, yeah, maybe yeah. when graphene um, becomes a thing, and we can make graphene filters and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. you know, right now water is kind of a hot commodity to get fresh water that most plants grow with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll end the episode there. Um, yep thank you for joining us um, and we will see you next time thank you bye bye